Welcome to Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarno, a weekly podcast from Relevant Church in Daytona Beach, Florida. We pray this message helps you connect to God as you find your place, reveal your purpose, and unlock your potential. Let's head live to Pastor Chris for today's powerful message. No, we just really, we're excited we could be with you guys. Um, one of the things we really felt like, the reason why we do this conference every year, and the reason why we have a marriage ministry that we have, is we started really seeing things that were in the church that God was really kind of directing me. I said, where do we, I don't know, it was one year, beginning of the year, I was like, where do we really see the people need the help the most? You know what I mean? Like, what do we deal with topic-wise throughout the year? What's the biggest, like, demand um, that people need? And it seemed like, without fail, it was marriage. You know, whether people were going through a hard time or they weren't seeing eye to eye or, you know, the one was... People were planning to get married, which is a, which is a really big, really big thing. You know, you got premarital and you got all this stuff going on. And then we seen like, and people were going through it. You know what I mean? Who was having a problem or who, you know, just relationship was really, really not in a really good spot. And then a lot of times it was like, you know, they didn't know what they signed up for. And basically what happened was I was like, man, I was like, we get a lot of this throughout the year. I said, how could we maybe get ahead of this? where we can help people and let people feel like they're normal. Because I really felt like the constant theme, what really, really set this in motion was I would sit with people and it would be like a tape recorder. It would almost be like an identical conversation with different people. And they'd be like, you know, he's doing this. I'm doing that. We're not seeing this. We're not at eye. We're kind of arguing. We're kind of here. And I was like, this is like almost crazy. It's like, it seems like everybody that walks in here has the same topic of conversation and all these different people and you start realizing like well maybe this thing is more spiritual than we really realize like almost to like where are they hearing this stuff from where's it coming from rolling responsibility and i just felt like look if we don't get ahead of it you know we're not going to really 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 be able to help people at the next level so that's what we wanted to do so we went me and pastor liz went paul and karen went we went to jimmy evans we went out there to south lake texas we Got the curriculum. It's phenomenal stuff. They're the best at this stuff. And then, you know, we did it for year after year. And then one year, everybody's like, well, why don't you do it? And I was like, oh, okay. After the class we just had with these things, you probably want to leave. But it's it's okay. But what it is is that we just wanted to give you some practical help to just make sure you know you're sane. Well, we, you know, we went and did the radio this morning. And I said, you know, Pastor Chris and I will not claim to be experts on marriage. So you're like, well, why are you doing? And this is about relationships this whole night. So whether you're married, want to be married, single, it doesn't matter because there's things you're going to be able to glean from this. But, you know, I said, you know, we're not necessarily experts on it, but we're in it with you. So we're not going to talk to you. We're talking with you because we, we, we've been there. You know, we, we've had moments in our relationship that were a little tense. We've had times when we didn't even like each other. I mean, that's just truthful. I think everybody in marriage, you know, my mom told me once she's been married to my dad for 50 years. And she told me, she said, well, I had two whole years when I didn't even like your father, but I chose to love him anyway. And I always remember that, you know, so, so there's, there's times it's it's not always perfect. It's not always great. But when you're committed, Jimmy Evans says it the best. Every marriage has a hundred percent chance of success when you do it God's way. That's true. So we're going to talk about some things tonight and just, we're going to, we have about, I think like six or seven topics that we're just going to talk about tonight. Um, and, and you can jot them down, and we're just going to kind of yeah. have an open conversation 
about some of the things that we think are important that you need to know in your relationship. True. And and one of the things we felt like, I don't want you to think like some of this is redundant. You know, like, oh, we talked about that last time. You have to be so intentional in marriage. You have to be reminding yourself every day what you need to be doing. That's what people don't get. They think it's just going to come by, you know, I don't know, osmosis or something. No, you have to be intentional. You have to remind yourself. One of the things we wanted to start off with was, and, and I, I like this. This is like, this thing right here is wild. Um, you know, I'm going to just give you six quick points. I think we got seven of them. But point number one, and I'd like to start this one, is put that up there, please. You got to learn the language of, you got to love, you got to learn your language. And what that is about is I'm going to explain it. And then we got a little thing for you. You know, we have like a love language, but this, this apology language thing is life changing. Um, I want you guys, they're going to put a scan code up there. I want you to scan it. I want you to find out how you relate. Me and, me and PL, one thing about it was if we had this abyss, it was because I see through my, oh, is that up there? Yeah. Take, I, everybody take out your phone. You think you did this. You don't remember this. I'm telling you, listen to me, man, just do this. Take out your phone. Take the apology language test. It's going to take what? What does this take you? Explain it. Yeah. And then. So basically, many people have heard about the five love languages. If you haven't, everybody has a language that they receive. And we've talked about that. We talk about it every year because it's important. There's there's five love languages. There's quality time. There's acts of service. There's gifts. There's yeah. words of affirmation, physical touch. And it's a way that people choose like to be loved. And what we typically tend to do in relationships is we tend to love people the way we want to be loved True. when that's not necessarily the way that they're loved. Yep. Uh, Pastor Chris and I have the same first love language, which is words of affirmation. But my second love language is gifts. And when we took the test, I would always, you know, go out of my way to, to make, get a really nice, thoughtful gift for Pastor Chris. I would always try to get him a nice, thoughtful gift. And he'd be like, oh, that's great. Thanks. When we took the, the love languages test, we found out that he scored a zero on gifts. He does not care about gifts. That is not how he feels loved. But that is how I felt loved. So that's how I was showing him love. But he wasn't receiving it that way. He just thought, oh, well, you got me something cool. Not that he wasn't appreciative, but that didn't make him feel loved. That makes me feel loved. So there's ways of this, you know, that yeah. physical touch is huge for him. So there's certain things like when you learn how your partner receives love, then you know in a better way, how can I show them love? You're not just doing what you need, yeah. you're doing what they need in order to make it better. So we, I've, I'd heard about the love languages. I'd heard about it. You know, I, 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 you take the test. And I think even if you've taken these tests before, you again. take them again because you change as time goes on. And sometimes what used to be important to you isn't important anymore. And you need to stay current on it. So a couple of years ago, we were talking and we were introduced to the apology languages. The apology languages are the same as the love languages, but they are five ways that people receive apologies. For years, when Pastor Chris would say, when we would have what we like to call intense fellowship, meaning maybe we were having a disagreement or an started. argument. Well, Come on, this is gonna be fun. I, I don't know let's, if, let's if I started it, but, um, but well, basically this is what I said to you guys last year, and I'll say it again. Pastor Chris used to light the match, but I could have many times just put the fire out. And instead I poured gasoline on it, watched the house burn down and then blamed him for burning down the house. When really I could have stopped it. I could have put it to rest. I could have, I could have chosen to ignore it. Yeah. But what we found out, Pastor Chris would always, he would just go, what? I did it. Yeah. I said that to you. And I'd be telling him that really hurt my feelings. And you just really upset me. And all this. And he'd look at me, he'd go, yeah, okay. I said it to him. 
he was done to me. And I'm like, no, I need you to repent. I need you to make it better. I need you to tell me how you're not going to do it again. Because I couldn't receive that because that is not my apology language. When we did the apology language test and we found out that his apology language is just owning it. All you have to do, if, if you ever wrong Pastor Chris, the only thing you have to do is say, I did that. You don't even have to say you're sorry. You just have to tell him, you know, you did it. And he moves on. My apology language is different. Make restitution and repent. Don't do it again. This is what the thing is. You don't even know this is in your, like, here's the thing. Subconsciously, you don't even know you see like this. Right. That's why you got to take the test. When you take the test, you know what I started looking at? I was like, oh, I've been like that all my life. I was like that lost. I was like, I'm being serious. It's in your DNA. You can't figure all that stuff out. Don't try. No, I, maybe somebody's smart enough to figure that out, but I'm not. This is the way I seen everything. I don't have a problem. I forgave you before you did it. I lived like that forever. Now with God, it's even easier. But here's the thing. I see through my lens. So it's like this, right? Somebody wears glasses, right? So if you wear prescription glasses, and if you and your spouse wear prescription glasses, right? If you take your glasses off and you give them to your spouse and you try to put on their glasses, you can't see anything. Right. They have a different prescription. That apology language is like the prescription of how you see through your lens. So what happens is I do everything in life like that. She made no sense to me. And then this is the thing you really got to realize. There's nothing wrong with her. She's, and we're going to talk about that later, embracing uniqueness. It's really important. But here's the thing, like, ladies, I think the important thing to figure out, too, is like this. And we learn this stuff, and it's important. Like, a guy can't think and feel at the same time. You hear what I just said? He can, he's impossible for him to think. If he, oh, he's got the Holy Ghost. He's got Jesus. He's got in here. Yeah, he can't think and feel at the same time. You can't. So you're emotionally talking to him, right? You're in your mouth. You're like, oh, my God. We're like meatheads. We're like, oh, okay. How does that make you feel? Right? When she asks, I don't feel nothing. Now you're an insensitive jerk, but it, it doesn't click. You're not wired like that. So if you don't know that, what do you do? You get frustrated with him, right? He looks like a Neanderthal. You're like, oh, man, why do you hurt my feelings? He's like, want to go get a sub? And it's like, he looks wacky, but that's not how he, he processes. So you got to get that. But what you got to see here is this, like PL's thing is you have to make, it's not like, you know, almost in a weird way, if people don't respond to you the way you kind of have your system, you could get frustrated because you feel like what's wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with them. They just process different. So watch this. Now I know how she is. Now watch what she'll do with me. She'll try to explain stuff to me the way she sees through her lens, frustrates the living daylights out of me. She'll be like, well, this is why. This, and she's explaining because that's what she needs. I'm like, just tell me you did it. I did it. Okay, good. I'm done. Let's go. So now we got three hours of frustration because we don't know how we're wired. And you're wired in one of those languages, and that's how you work. And you want to do the coolest thing of all? I'm a better communicator now than ever before with her because now I know how she's wired. And I don't go in there selfishly and go, oh, this is what you need to see. I'm like, what's up? She'll tell me what it is, whatever it may be. And instead of responding to her through my lens or my receptors, you know what I do? I give her what she needs. Not because she's belligerent, not because she's manipulative, not because she's trying to own up and win, that's how she hears. And if that's how she hears, see, the problem is with people is this. Sometimes you speak your own language. Other people can't hear you. You're speaking your own language, and then you're like, why can't everybody in this house hear me? Because they don't hear like that. I'll tell you what, it's good to know your kids. It's get the whole house figured out. 
Because then what I do is I go, oh, I know what she needs. She doesn't need me just to own it. She needs me to fix it. Well, I don't need you to fix it. I'll fix it. Just say you did it. That's my deal. So now I started looking through business, how I'm dealing with people, how I'm doing. Oh, my God. The one guy, when we were doing the thing going back and forth, he was, it was crazy. Lauren knows the whole story. He's like, I didn't do it. I'm like, bro, I am going to shove this phone down your throat. You did it. Stop telling me you didn't do it. And like, everybody's looking at me like, why is he losing it? Because it was bothering me. And I'm not violent or weird. It's like, just say you did it. You did it. You did it. Just say you did it. I'll fix it. Just say you did it. I, I looked at so many things. It was like popcorn popping in my head. That's why I flipped out over that. That's why, because just say you did it. And if I got somebody comes in, and you know what's funny? Counseling people, the people that lie to me in counseling, I want to throw the Bible at them. I got the one guy. I got the one guy came in here. He goes, I'm high right now talking to you, bro. I was like, great. We can fix this. Let's go. I've been doing this all my life, and you don't know how you're wired and who even knew this thing was available. So take the thing, get the picture. Don't think it's stupid. It's not stupid. It's going to help you communicate. And I'm going to tell you what it's going to do, too. It's going to be making you, it's going to make you a better communicator, not just with your spouse, but in everything you do. Because guess what? That apology, everybody thinks like apologies, like, oh, that's only when you're mad. No, it's a lens you're living every day of your life. Right. It's the way you're seeing things, you're perceiving things. Your perception and everything you got. So do it. And especially husbands and wives, you need to do it together. Just do it. It takes, what, I don't even remember. It took like five it takes minutes. It's like maybe five, ten minutes. It's maybe, maybe ten minutes. But, you know, ten minutes, if we would have done that, like we, we'll be married 20 years in May. Come okay? on, somebody. I mean, it took us 18 years. To, we didn't hear this until year 18. I think about how much time would have been saved. Because there's even things now, it's not just when you're arguing. There's things now, PC will say something, and I know that's how he's wired. So I'll just go, oh, yeah, you're right. I did I did leave that on. I left, uh, yeah, I did leave my towel on the bed. I don't try to explain to him why I left the wet towel on the bed now. Okay, I'm I okay. just say, he goes, did you leave the wet towel on the bed again? I go, oh, yeah, I did. Sorry. And oh, I put it God. back. It saves you time. My thing is this. You have to look in your relationship and say, is your desire to have a peaceful relationship or is your desire to be right? Because so many of us, our desire is to be right, but realistically, our desire needs to be that our relationship is right. Yeah, and I know? and I think so, that love language thing is good. So take those skew codes and hit them. So take and then, those tests, and that's your test. So that's on you guys. You guys got to go home and do that. It's your little homework assignment. Don't do it right now. The other thing we were talking about is I think we're really important to understand true love begins and ends with God. Yes. You need to realize this. Now we're going to talk about this love. Now listen to me. The love we're going to talk about tonight is not human love. It's not worldly love. It's agape love. The love of God is totally different than the love that people are normally walking around with. And if you don't understand it, I think we're love deficient, a lot of people, because we don't understand what it is. Now, if you understand what it is and you hold it back, that's a little different. But I don't even think most people really understand what love is. And you know what I mean? And one of the things I said was this, love is a divine seed. That produces a relentless, unending harvest. This love that we're going to talk about, and PL could kick this off, but I want you to understand the God kind of love is different. Human love is selfish. Most people love with human love. Human love is like, what are you doing for me? What are you not doing? And all that stuff like that. Human love is not agape. You got to learn what agape is because PL says it's best the definition. We stole it from Doug Jones. We gave him credit for it. But God, God's kind of love is different. And if you're not careful, you're going to come into this relationship loving with natural human love. Natural human love is selfish. Right. It's one-sided. It's not really great. 
And until you understand how to love with the love of God, you're going to be deficient in areas of your marriage. Because let me tell you something. God's done with sin. He annihilated sin once and for all. But God is obsessed with order. God is obsessed with order. If you have things out of order, things don't work right. You have to get the order right. And the first important thing that I think you got to do is this. And we read that scripture today, and we'll read it a little bit. See, like we say, oh, it's about me and you. No, this thing's about God first. See, it's not about just me and you. It's about God. It's not about you and your spouse. It's about God. Am I coming into this thing really loving God and honoring God, or am I just trying to get my way? Right. Or do I want what I want? Or are you not meeting my needs? Or what's going on there? So I think the definition clarifies a lot. When we talk about love, like like you said, we can you can love is it first of all love is a choice love is not a feeling people look at that and go oh i'm in love i'm out of love no you're in feelings or out of feelings love is something that you choose each and every day and the bible tells us that god is love so if we have god in us we have the capacity to choose love when we're dealing with people that means we choose love on the good days we choose love on the bad days we choose love but what does that mean because so often our love is based upon whether we think it is or not we have a conditional love those of you who are in a relationship and who are married how many of you would say that when he's being extra sweet to me i might love him a little more come on right you can say you don't but you kind of do if he's kind of being not he's nice or being a little what? sketchy or being you know starting the fights like like he you know like we we determined that he does um then if we if if he's being like that i may have the tendency to hold back love we all do it can can we just all agree that maybe we don't unconditionally love the way that we say that we do there's no because we are human we conditionally love and we have to love with the God kind of love. Doug Jones, who is a phenomenal Bible teacher, he said it the best many years ago when he came. He said, love does what is most beneficial for the recipient at the moment. True. I'll say it again. Love does what is most beneficial for the recipient at the moment. It's joyfully choosing to take an action on behalf of another. Really good. And you look at that, and what does that mean? That means that if I am going to truly love my husband, then I'm not going to worry about what my needs are and whether my needs are being met. I'm going to choose every single day to do what's most beneficial for him. Yeah. Now, here's the, the thing. People go, well, what do you mean? That doesn't mean you can't express how you're feeling or anything like yeah. that. But what it means is instead of a lot of times, I think maybe as maybe it's a woman thing. I don't know. Maybe girls, you can kind of tell me a lot of times we're worried about how things make us feel. We're worried about how things are affecting us. And we're, I communicate that very well, you know, to my husband. I just want to share with you right now. I, I don't, I try to say, I just want you to know that this really hurt me and here's why and here's all the things. When really he doesn't need me to do that. That's not what he needs. And so you look and go, the thing that I've learned and that I've seen is that the more that I choose to do what's most beneficial for him, the less my feelings are affected. Does that make sense? Because when you're focused, when you take your focus off of you and you put your focus on someone else and how they're doing, yeah. you know, then, and, and what's going on? What does he need? You know, we, we, we love selfishly. Pastor Chris said that. He said, we have, we all love each other selfishly. Do we wake up every single day? I'm going to be very honest with you. My first thought when I wake up is not, what does my husband need from me today? And how can I fulfill every wish? That's where the has? Lord is trying to speak to you. Right. He's trying to intervene. 
But, but I think if we're honest, maybe some days I do that, but does anyone do that every single day? The very first thought you have is what can I do for him or what can I do for her? Maybe some of you do. Yeah, well, you know what's funny? Listen to this. Yeah. Here's this love thing and I'll let you continue. Everything, now think of this. We're love, like when you see the order of it, you look at the, the marriage thing, you go to Ephesians 5, we're not going to go there real deep. This is biblical. So you might be like, well, I don't like this stuff. Well, you better get, you better start liking it. It's biblical. It's when you look at Ephesians chapter five, that's the that's the order of marriage. He's like, husbands love your wife. Wives, here's your role and responsibility. Everybody's got role and responsibility. So then he says this. He said, he said, but do this what serving God. Now listen to this. Everything God has done for you and me has been for our betterment. And you must remember, it cost him everything. So when true love is exercised, it's going to cost you something. It costs God, Jesus is only begotten. It costs Jesus his life. It's going to cost you something to love. And here's the big one. It, it most likely will profit the other person more than yourself. Right. And in order to love like Jesus love, you're going to have to go out of your way. And here's the best one. You're going to have to disturb your normal course of life. Because what do we want to do? My day, no. To love, I got I to gotta redirect my life. And that's why we always say, live in Philippians 2.4, hang out in Ephesians 6.8. 2.4 is simple. Get up every day, not thinking upon your own things. It changes. Once you understand your life is a seed you sow, not a harvest you look to see if people are sowing into you, your life changes. 6-8 is even better than 2-4. I teach the guys this. I'm going to sow into her, and guess what? She's going to be oblivious to it, right? Remember when I told you, you all went to fireproof. Did you all fireproof your marriage, right? You fireproofed your marriage. You did all this stuff with your marriage. You went to the seminar. I laughed, the transformation guy. Mike Todd said he went to uh, the, the, the XO conference. You know, Mike Todd, everybody likes Mike Todd. He's great, great community, great preacher, right? He said, she left me at the XO conference, like left him in the parking lot. They fought on the way there. And he's like, the dude had to come pick me up at the XO conference. How many of you know that ain't good when you go to the marriage seminar and you get left behind by your wife? Come on, somebody's doing better. Can we get an amen? Come on, you guys are doing good. How many of you got left at the conference? No, I didn't get left. But are you seeing what, he, what I'm saying? It's like you go to these conferences, you think like, I'm going to go do this for three days. We're going to fireproof our marriage. We're going to do this. I got the 21-day Make Your Man a Better Man book from the ladies' ministry. And you wake up on day 22, and he's still the same bonehead he was for 23 years. Come on. What do you do? I'm not doing this no more. Right. I'm doing this. You're not changing. I'm doing this. You're not meeting my needs. I'm doing this. You're still talking. Bump it. I'm out. And you shut down and check out. 6-8 says this. Whatsoever good thing I do to you, God will repay me. Right. Whatsoever good thing I do to you, God will repay me. So now I walk around like a seed sower. Like, hey, you know what? I'm going to sow seed. I don't care how you respond. God's the rewarder. Sooner or later, God's going to start doing it. And this is what it says. If you come under God, you got to use this as a... So what do we do? Because we don't. We lie. No one's transparent. You're all lying. Hey, we're transparent. You're all full of it. You're not as transparent as you think you are. You don't really get emotionally in touch with your feelings and really say how it's going on. And then everybody's, you know, I talked to somebody the other day. You're arguing about this thing. You ain't arguing about this thing. You're arguing about that thing for three weeks ago. There were some of your needs weren't met and you're carrying it over. And now you're screaming about pencils and you could care less about pencils. You got to start learning 
these safeguards to be like, hey, we have to communicate. And one of the things about communicating, PL, I'll tell you, is tell them about the baseball thing because that's big. Because non-interrupted, commu- write this down. You have to have non-interrupted communication. You got to let the other person talk. And some of you got a spouse that talks forever. So you just got to sit there and do it. We'll talk about the baseball thing. But you have to have non-interrupted communication and stop listening to prove your point. Listen to really hear. I'm the best lawyer. Let me tell you. I'm telling you right now, I should have went to law school and been a lawyer if I didn't do this. I, when she's, oh, I'm stacking my deck. She's going off. I'm like, oh, I got her there, man. I'm going to get her there. She's going to say that. Oh, I did it. I got the I got the Rolodex. And then you know how you do it. I'm going to get the kids. The kids know how you are. Bring the kids in. I got witnesses. You know, I bring, first witness come to the stand. Lauren, come up here. You know, hey, right there. That's what happened. Because why? Because I'm not really sitting here to hear her. And then we do this stupid, I heard you, you're not paid. You're like three-year-olds, cut it out. I do it too, we're like babies. I heard everything you said, Liz, I can repeat it back to you. You said that I wasn't listening on Tuesday when you were telling me. I can tell you everything you said. She does the same thing, y'all do it. Y'all might as well kick yourself in the head, y'all do it, right? Because we're human. We all, nobody lives in a glass house, we all do this stuff. So you got to stop that stuff because if you don't start learning how to play catch, and you don't start learning how to do the two, four, six, eight, and you don't start learning this one right here. How does God say love? Because right. human love, selfish, God's love is sacrifice. Woo. And guys, I'm going to tell you right here now, you got it worse. I tell you this all the time. Oh, well, no one sacrificed more. Nobody sacrificed more than the dude sitting next to you, bro. Jesus said you give up your life. He just tells the women. Now, let me tell you, Eve is trapped in all you girls. So you got to find her and you got to annihilate her because she's, she's, she's a little bit off her tilt, right? Here's a little stuff there. We'll leave that alone. But she's got to come. So God goes, submit. That doesn't mean Lord in control and weird stuff. That just means like, hey, kind of get under this thing. You guys want to rule and reign. You got to give up your life. So the man has more responsibility to a degree, yes. But let me tell you right here now, your responsibility is you got to give up your life. And let me tell you something about guys. That's why I want you guys with me. And I know I'm carrying this part too long. You got to give to her. You got to give to the kids. You got to give at work. You got to give. You better get another guy in your life that you can go to and go, dude, I feel like I'm going to pull my hair out of my head. Am I doing the right thing? You are. And don't go get one of your ding dong friends at the bar who's an idiot. You know what I mean? You need to go get around us guys and say, Pastor Chris, am I losing it? No, because you're going to come to me and say, I'm sacrificing. I'm going to say, get ready because you're going to sacrifice more. It's the responsibility of the guy. And you got to act like a dude. And not some goofball. So that's a lot. But we got to start playing catch. Well, and I'll give you, it's a quick principle that you can use when you're talking to each other. So did anyone play baseball in here? Yeah, Evan played baseball. People play baseball. Okay, so what is the job of the catcher? The catcher does what? He catches the ball. Does he throw the ball back to the pitcher? No, he catches the ball. That's all he does. And I think a lot of times when you're having communication, we tend to, how, maybe maybe not you guys, maybe it was just us, go back, forth, back, forth, back, forth. And we were sitting with someone, and he goes, no, here's what we're going to do. Your job is to catch the ball. So he goes, go ahead, Chris, tell her what you want to say. So PC starts telling me something, I'm catching the ball, and all the while I'm catching the ball thinking, oh, well, I can fix this really easy because he's got this all wrong. And if I can just explain to him why it isn't like that, we're going to be okay. So I opened my mouth to say something. The guy said, nope, you're not the pitcher. You're the catcher. I said, well, when do I get to be the pitcher? He goes, not today. (laughs) He said, he started the conversation. So now you are the catcher. 
you can come back at a later moment, not in this conversation. And I said, but I want to tell him how I feel. He said, you're not the pitcher, you're the catcher. Your job is to catch the information, listen and hold it and put it down for a later time. But how often are we trying to throw back? PC will say, well, you did this to me. And I go, well, really, you did this to me, right? Like you said, are we not like five-year-olds sometimes? We want to one-up the other person about how, you know. So that was a really great principle that when your other person is communicating with you, if they start off, hey, I really want to talk to you, um, I'll pick on Paul and Karen and make this totally up. Karen comes to Paul and says, Paul, you know, you've just been, you know, buying me two extravagant gifts. I just really don't love that, you know. Which would not, I said, I'm making it up. Um, and Paul, his job is not to go, well, I thought that you would like that. He just catches and goes, wow, okay, Karen, like, just listen. And how would you, you know, like, you, you got to respond in an appropriate way. But it's not the time to now tell Karen everything that he thinks that she needs to fix or change. But we tend to do that, right? So that's that ball principle yeah. is there is just like, remember that when you're the catcher, your job is just to catch the, your job is to catch the information. Your job isn't to fix it. Your job isn't to tell the other person everything you feel. Your job is just to catch and, and observe, like actually let them know, I heard you. Wow. Okay. How, you know, you could even, you could ask a question. Is there something else you would like posture. to communicate to me about? Posture is huge. Posture. People's posture. You ever walk in a room and somebody's mad, they didn't open their mouth. You can just see it. You gotta change your posture. Posture, posture is big. Posture to me, I'm a feel guy. So when I get in there, I feel everything. I feel the room. This is how I work. And I like, I, I went, in a, I went somewhere. It's funny. I went somewhere and I said, I'd get rid of that guy over there. And they looked at me like, what? I was like, I'd get rid of him. I said, he's been here forever. This organization. I said, the first day I get here, he's gonna be gone. They go, why? I go, I don't like his posture. Got something on him. It was right. Six months later, they're all complaining about it. But it, it's not that you're a jerk. Your posture means a lot. You got to fix your heart. Sometimes your heart is on your face more than it shows. And you better make sure you fix your posture, especially with your spouse. Because you could have that up, you know, ladies, you could have that. Because let me tell you something about the girls. You guys can rule the whole world. I'm telling you, man. They're, let me tell you something. You guys are dangerous. A woman can set the world ablaze, man. She could just rule the room. Because her posture is inviting. See, that's another thing, too. I got business guys, they don't want to go home. And they, she can't figure it out. She goes, why does he? Because he doesn't want to come in that environment. You got to learn how to create an environment for him to want to come into. And it's not like, oh, what is he? He's got pressure everywhere, man. You don't realize how much pressure this guy's got. I re you really don't get it. You got pressure, but he's got double. I know you don't think so, but it's true. So when he comes home, he, he just wants atmosphere. Guys want feel. Guys, for the sake of peace, will give up everything. They'll give up their authority in the home. They'll give up. They don't care about nothing. They don't even talk anymore. They're so shut down because they just want peace. I just want peace. I just talked to a guy the other day. He's loaded. It's not about that. The guy only wants peace. It's kind of sad. I'm like, I wish I could, I wish I could buy it because if you could buy it, you'd find it, but you can't. And it's like, you ain't got enough money to find peace, man. And it's beyond Jesus. I'm not trying got to have Jesus. He's got Jesus. But it's like, you want to go in your home. You want to have peace. You want to have peace with your family. You want to have peace with your kids. They're looking for this stuff. So you got to create an atmosphere. But that's, that's really good stuff. And we could talk more about that. But here's the big thing. Write this down. I want you to have this. You got to discern today that Satan is the only enemy against your marriage. It's not your spouse. Does that make sense? You got to stop this. Your, your spouse is not your enemy ever. 
they might look like your enemy. They might sound like your enemy. They might be cussing you out. It might be a big mess. Some of you got a great marriage, and that's awesome. Some of you guys that got a really great marriage, I need you because you need to start mentoring these younger people because they just want to know if they're navigating right. Because there's no manual with this thing. You go home and you got to figure it out, man. And what you know, mentorship saves you time and money. So I think that's big because why? Point number three, you got to believe that God brought you together. And I don't care, you know, maybe you weren't saved. And, you, know, you get all these enemy tricks in your head, like all these ideas, like, well, maybe we shouldn't be. Maybe blah, 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 or maybe blah, blah, blah. Nah, come on, stop. You know what I mean? I mean, maybe you've been divorced. Maybe you came back. Maybe you have a comeback. Maybe you're there. Maybe you're on the verge. I guarantee you, every year we do this, somebody's on the verge of not staying together. Every year it's like clockwork. Somebody in this room is like, if we don't get something worked out, I don't want to do this anymore. Okay? Well, all right. Good place to be. Probably everybody's been there. Grass always looks greener on the other side. Still got to mow it. It's work. You know, I had the one guy, some of you know who I'm talking about. He's funny. Guy was married like, I don't know how many times. Like, you know, he's not here now. But I said, I said, I got to ask you a question. I said, how many times you're married? I think it was like six or something crazy. Right? And I said, um, I asked you a question. He goes, yeah. I go, did any one of those ladies, different ladies, ask you for something so, like, you know, like, almost different? You know, like, was one of them just wacky? You know, like, oh, my God, she wanted a, he's like, no, pretty much they all wanted the same thing. So it's kind of like in the DNA, like, you might as well fix this. You know, like, you're taking you into every season of your life. You might as well fix you. Because when you fix you, you know what I mean? Like, think of relationships. Like, Pastor Liz probably wants what every girl in this building wants. Like, I probably want what every guy in this building wants. Because women need security, right? That's what she's looking for. I put this down. It's a little later in the notes, right? She needs security, which is going to equal my presence. I need significance, which is going to equal her words. It's, it's all works in there. So every guy in here wants it. So how do we know we're supposed to stay together? Well, easy. God put you together. And I like what he said. You know, I used that scripture in Matthew 19. You don't have to go there. It's okay, Gianna, don't go there. But it said, but I like this. It says, it says, you know, he answered, he said, haven't you read in your Bible that the creator made you together, man and woman, and he put you together? Listen to what it says in the message Bible, Matthew 19, 6. Because God created this organic union of two sexes, no one should desecrate this art by cutting them apart. And I thought about this, man. I like what he said, art in the message. It's like your marriage is like artwork. Go paint the picture you want to have. Maybe you had, maybe you didn't have the picture that you had. It's not too late to, to paint over it, you know? Wipe the slate clean and start today and say, wow, okay, we're going to start over. Um, so that is really good to know that God, you have to believe that. You have to know that God brought you together because if, if that's a negotiable, that's what we always tell people oh, when, yeah. when we would do premarital, well, you know, Paul and Karen do a great job with premarital counseling. And whenever I used to do I used to tell them, you can't ever go into this that it's negotiable. You have to believe that God brought you together. And if God brought you together, then you can withstand anything, even if it doesn't look like you can. Um, so that is awesome. Point. And, and we're going to go to the next point. Um, number four, you can write this down. You must understand that everyone is different. So embrace that difference is, oh, embrace it because difference is divine. How many of you are exactly like your spouse? How many of you are exactly like you? have all the same life. Nobody in the room nobody, raised their hand. Nobody raised their hand. Why? Because it's true. We're all different. But the thing is, if we look at our differences as problems rather than just differences, you know, I'm very, I think about things very differently than Pastor Chris does. 
I'm a different person. I grew up in the Midwest in Oklahoma. I've said this many times. I grew up in Oklahoma where you go to the grocery store and as you're checking out, you've heard the whole person in front of you's life story and you hug each other and tell each other, oh, it's so great to meet you and you're crying because it was such a beautiful conversation in the grocery store. He grew up in New Jersey and he's Italian. He is very loud. I am now Italian. Loud. I am now a New Jersey Italian because I learned. But in the very beginning stages of our relationship, he's being so, I was like, why are you yelling at me? Like, what is happening right now? I never heard, my dad raised his voice one time in my entire life and it scared <laughs> me. Like, and it wasn't at me. It was at my sister. Nobody in my house ever raised their voices. Nobody was ever rah, intense. And how many of you know this man is very, very intense? Right? You're trying so to say. I would sit or literally sit there and go, why are you, why are you yelling? He's like, I'm not yelling at you. I'm just talking to you. And I'm like freaking out because we're different. But I didn't embrace those differences. I looked at that as, oh my gosh. This? I did not. <laughs> You're learning from my mistakes. Um, now I do. And like I said, I learned how to be Italian very quick. That's a and good thing. New Jersey. I can be just as loud now. But what I'm Whoa. saying is this. there's We all have different things about us. Yes. He has different things that charge him up. I have different things that charge me up. He has different things that he, like we have similarities in some areas, but we're different. But a lot of times what happens is we look at the differences in our personalities. We look at the differences and we look at them as maybe that's not compatibility. But we have to embrace those differences and understand that we love the differences about each other because it makes him, I would not change him for anything. I literally go, okay, sometimes he is still very loud for me, but you want to know what? I wouldn't change that about him. Now I've learned to go, oh, okay, well, you're just being loud. Let me just go over here until you stop being loud right now, right? And you look at that and you go, okay, sometimes I do that. Sometimes I don't. I, I told you, you hide? I'm in this with you. I'm not talking to you. What do you um, do when I'm loud? When you're being kind of jerky, does she loud? hide? When he's jerky loud, Gigi, I just want to be jerky loud. Me and Gigi start fighting. Yes, we get loud. So anyway, so we have to learn to love the differences in yes. each other. It's important and embrace. Don't it. try to change them; just kind of roll with them. Everybody, you know what I mean? Like, well, I why are you like this or why are you like that? And then you try to change your spouse, and it really doesn't really really help Here's anybody. The thing. I'll give you the biggest tip of that. The only person that can change another person is the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. And here's what happens. When I would try to change him, I am not the Holy Spirit, even though I think that I am. Whoa. How many of you wives, you, write that down. you believe you are the Holy Spirit in your in your spouse's life, right? You can, If he would just listen to me, it would be amazing. Because I could tell him everything that he needed to fix. He's Google. Can I get an amen? I am Google. He, he, he does have a shirt that says, I don't need Google. I have my wife, yes. you know, so I wear it proudly. Yeah. So the thing is this, but the problem is this, if I am trying to be the voice of the Holy spirit yeah. in his life, the Holy spirit can't actually, yeah. and the voice of me is not going to affect anything. Well, you got to look at that. There's a positive side of this too. Okay. So meaning like this, like, okay, we're talking about being loud. Okay. My spouse isn't talking. Maybe they're quiet. Right. And you want more verbal communication. So you're trying to pull it out of them. It's a communication thing. You know what I mean? There's a lot of things inside of there that you guys, like, you know, that you're, it's a different dynamic. So because it's different, embrace the difference, communicate through the differences, and really, really communicate those things. Like, we live in a generation where these things are crazy. You know what I mean? Like, you go out now, 
and I can't even believe it. It's almost ridiculous. People are sitting at a table and they're and they're, and they're on their phone and they're supposed to be out. It's like almost a joke. So how many of you get on this thing seven o'clock at night and don't come back until the morning? And your spouse is like, why are you playing this stupid thing? Or where are you? know? And it's like, I don't like patterns and I don't like this. Communicate it. You're frustrated with it. Put the stupid thing down. You know, I'm going to tell you what, that's where that Jimmy Evans stuff is phenomenal. It's all phenomenal. He's like, look, eight o'clock, we shut it down. Popcorn's popping. We sit in the room. We make ourselves talk 15, 20 minutes a night, every night. No phone, no TV, no kids. That joker's like, lock the bedroom door. You, he, remember, he was like, you're not getting in this room. So mommy and daddy are going to talk, whatever. You know what I mean? And this is it. And don't bang on the door because this is what we need. And then, oh, you're not taking care of your kids. You are taking care of your marriage is taking the best care of your kids. Come on. Yeah. So you better protect and guard that time because life's coming at you and everybody's busy. Get unbusy. Here's the next one, right? You, you Listen, this is a big one, right? You must, this one's huge. You must guard against that third voice. That was the destruction in the garden. Okay. You got the voice of God. You know what I mean? You hear the voice of God. There's going to be deception in your ear at all times with your marriage telling you something different. Listen, let me tell you, don't get, don't get prideful here and be careful. Okay. Because you got to, you really got to hear me here and I'm going to go quick. Okay. I'm just in it. I see people all the time. They get in this thought and the thought starts creating a feeling and they check out. They're so checked out. It's scary because they're oblivious to this thing because needs weren't being met. Stuff wasn't going on stuff. They weren't communicating. And now they're so checked out. They're just in a different planet. And I know right there, that ain't the voice of God. You got a third voice. That's different in this thing, right? Where's the third voice? Lucifer in the garden. They're there, right? Adam and Eve, God, and here comes the slippery one, right? Oh, you need to do this. This is where you guys get in trouble, okay? So let me give you Pastor Chris 101. You don't need to be talking to nobody on that stupid phone and stop being sneaky. You know what I mean? Well, I'm a guy, and I talk, I get, there's work stuff. You, you guys are grown-ups. You know what I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about you work texted. I'm telling you, you're looking at stuff you shouldn't be looking at, getting attention from somebody you shouldn't be getting attention from because your home life's a little bit different. Cut it out. Discipline yourself. That The only person giving anybody that open door of opportunity is the devil. And you better see that joker for what he is. Well, I, I mean, I think it's important to note, like Pastor Chris just said, that third voice in the garden. When the devil came in, when Satan came into the garden with Adam and Eve, he didn't completely just tell a falsehood, right? He just distorted what God said a little bit. He, he came in and he said, did God say that if you touched the fruit, you would die? God said, if you eat the fruit, you will die. He just changed it. He didn't come in and say, did God say if you stand on your head and you turn around three times, you're going to die? They would have said, you're ridiculous. That the deception that comes in is usually based on a form of truth. And there's just a small distortion there, right? And Pastor Chris, I mean, you said that really good. I didn't even know we were going to talk about that, but I think it is important. How do you know? Well, you want to know what? Don't have a conversation with someone that you wouldn't want your, your spouse to see or hear. Don't say anything to someone that you wouldn't be, uh, that you wouldn't be, 
if you're starting to fix yourself up a little bit because somebody at work is like paying a little extra attention to you, uh -oh. stop. If you're more excited to go to work than you are to come home, you might have to pause. I'll tell you this story. I have a friend who told this story. Yeah. She, she was very happily married. She was happily married, had a family. She went to work and she said she had a coworker that they were just, they just became friends. There was nothing to it. But she said all of a sudden she realized she would try to freshen herself up a little bit before she would go into a meeting. Or she noticed that she was really happy when the coworker would talk to her. She's happily married with a husband that she loved dearly. And all of a sudden she said, wait a second, I, I feel like maybe I'm starting to look. It was a tiny deception that came in. And she said she was sitting at her desk and the Holy Spirit told her, you need to call, go home and tell your husband what you have been feeling. And she was like, but I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. I'm not flirting. I'm not doing this. And the Holy Spirit said, you need to go home. So she said, she didn't even wait. She picked up the phone and said, I need to talk to you. And she said, I just realized I've been a little excited to see somebody else at work. I've kind of, it kind of made me happy to talk to somebody. I fixed myself up a little more. And she said, the minute that she shed light on it, she never had those feelings or thoughts again. See, the enemy will come in and try to tell you, oh, you're not doing anything wrong. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, that's not a problem. Oh, that is. No, that's that third voice of deception. Yeah. You have to remember that the enemy will always just Sneaky. take the truth and change it about 5% to make you believe. Because what happened? Oh, did God say if you touch the fruit, you would die? Look, you're touching it and you're not dead. No, that's not what God did. He's sneaky. And he's just sneaky in that. Guard so it. just make sure you guard your build heart. Build non-negotiable. Yep. Build non-negotiable. Just build them. Yep. And don't make excuses. Well, so-and-so needed me. Nobody needs you yep. that bad. Cut it out. Stop. Stop lying to yourself. So build these non-negotiables. You know where to build balance because you know what starts happening is next thing you know, like PL said, you know, you're, you're looking for attention in the wrong place or something like that. That's that garden. That's the enemy. That's what he's here for. You got to realize that. Why? Look at this one. You must understand your role and responsibility. Everybody's got a role and responsibility. It's number six. I have a role and responsibility given as a, as a, as a husband, as a father. You got one as a wife. If you don't understand role and responsibility, you're going to start um, getting resentful. So if you don't understand what you signed up for and then you get in it and then you're like, oh, wow, great. Guess what's going to happen? Problems. So like I said, she needs security, right? A woman needs security. Like, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? What's going on here? She's got questions, right? How many have been around? How many have been around? Like, your, how many of your wife, you're like, you know, you're going. So I, I got it. Well, how's it going to happen? She's got 105 questions, right? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? How's this? She wants all these details. I'm like, it's going to work. Don't worry about it. Right. And they, they want security to know that's going to be, that's normal. She's wired like that. Right. I need some affirmation. She needs affirmation. What's my role? What's my responsibility? And you don't learn this stuff from, you know, most of the people around you. Right. You know, they're like, oh, you're, you know, man, you're old lady. She's a pain. That is not the voice of confidence you want to be getting from anybody. You know what I mean? Not trying to be weird, but what's my role and responsibility? Most people, you know, don't, don't live their role and responsibility biblically. Because they don't understand their role and responsibility. Like, do you realize this? Like, the guys, well, you know, man, I think everybody's taking advantage of me, man. Like, does anybody really know what I do in this house? Like, you go to work, you're grinding, you come home. It's like, what I didn't do, what I'm not. As a guy, after a while, you start going like, bro, I'm getting on a plane and go to, like, Mexico or something. Like, you know, like, what do you mean? What else? Stop, pause, get around guys that understand. 
Yeah, you're going to go through this. You need other men in your life. It's going to be, girls, what do you feel? I'm underappreciated. I do all this. I had somebody the other day come in. I cooked. I came, I worked 40 hours this week. I cooked every night. I cleaned. Ain't nobody cleaning the kitchen. Ain't nobody helping me. Nobody vacuuming. Blah, blah, blah. It's all on me. It's all on me. It's all on me. This lady's ready to snap, bro. She was done. She's like, done, man. Like, does anybody see me? I'm the laundry lady. I'm the cleaning lady. I'm the cooking lady. I'm the whatever lady. And then homeboy comes home and is like, hey, let's have sex. Whoa, did he say it in church? Yeah, I said, and you're thinking like, why don't you go fly a kite, bro? Now I'm the mistress lady. I got to be, I got 72 hats. It ain't easy. Right. So it's like, and then it's like, oh, this is my role and responsibility. No pause. There's a lot of stuff you have to communicate. And yes, there's a lot of responsibility in this thing. So, but here's the thing. If you don't get those, you got to get them biblically figured out. Right. Once you get them biblically figured out, you don't feel like you're taking advantage as much because you understand you're doing it unto the Lord and you got to do something. But you got to communicate this stuff. Well, I can, I, and I'm going to give you the quick, like three minute role and responsibility, okay? So I'm going to start with you guys. The role is what God created you to be, the responsibility is what the other person's responsibility is to that role. The man's role is to be the servant leader of the home. It does not mean to be a lording, oh, you're going to listen to me, woman. My kids are going to do what I say. No. It's to be a servant leader of the home. And it, we know from Ephesians, what did God say? It, it, what did they say? He said, husbands, love your wife yeah. like Jesus loved the church in that he gave his life and gave his life up for her. So what happens is, guys, that's your role. Yep. Love your family. Love your wife. Lay down your life. That means we had a guy came in. He goes, I need some me time. Oh, God. Pastor Chris looked at me. He said, I'll tell you when your me time is, buddy. You know when you lay your head down on the pillow at night and you close your eyes? I told eyes? him, I said, no, I he told said, you guys. He said, I, said, I got you... me time every night, bro. Yeah. You guys been here for that. I was like, bro, I got me time every night. And he's like, that's what I'm saying. She don't understand. I got to have me me time. Me time. I'm like, bro. So I'm talking about me time. You know what I'm talking about. Reese's laughing. I was like, I'm like, yeah, man, I got me time every night. They don't understand this. He's like, me time. I'm like, yeah, me time. We need like guy thing. You know, like we need me, me, me time. I said, hey, bro. Let me tell you when my me time starts. When my head hits the pillow, and I me time, when I go, night, night, that's when me time starts. And when my eyes open up in the morning, me time is over. <laughs> you moron. Are you a complete idiot? You ain't got no me time. You're a man. Right. You got responsibility, man. Now, I understand you want to have some, but after everything else is done, you might get me. How many moms in here want to have? Me time. Me time. <laughs> Give me a break. That little joker ain't going to bed till midnight. That's you right. got to get up. Me time. I was like, dude, you crazy me time. So the husband's role is to be. They ain't married leader. no more, by the way. So forget about me time, okay? It'll work out maybe Do next time. I pray for them, but um, get rid of me time now. So, so, but then the woman's response to that biblically is submission. And before anybody throws something at me, submission is not, I'm going to tell you what to do, woman, and you're going to do it. First of all, men, you are never to demand submission. The Bible never says men demand submission. It tells the wife to submit. And I will say this, husbands, your job is to be the servant leader of your home, whether she ever submits to you or not, because God is not looking at you going, well, Brian, did you do your job? But how did Crystal do? Oh, you didn't do your job because Crystal didn't do hers. Oh, okay. No, 
He looks and goes, I don't care what she did. What did you do? He's only looking at you. Right. So the bottom line is, men, you're is the servant leader of the home. Women, submission is the most empowering thing that you could ever possibly do. And I will say this all day long. When you choose to submit, we say this and it's important. Submission starts where agreement ends. When my husband and I are in full agreement, there is no submission happening. Submission only happens when we disagree. It doesn't mean I cannot give my opinion, but what I choose to submit, when I choose to say, I do not agree with what you're saying, however, I am going to choose to allow you to be the leader of our home, and I'm going to allow you to make the decision that you need to make. The problem is a lot of times we don't want to do that because we think he's making the wrong decision. But you want to know what? Again, when I stop being the voice of the Holy Spirit and I say, I might not agree with that decision, but I'm going to choose to submit to that decision. One of three things will happen. Either God will speak to him and he will change his mind. One, two, we will go ahead and move forward and it will end up being fine. Or three, it won't work and we'll just learn a lesson from it. But the bottom line is, if I don't do my job, if I say, well, you're not a servant leader of the home, you're not really. But here's where it works great, because I'm going to give you the other one, too. When he is truly a servant leader of the home and is laying down his life for me, it's a lot easier for me to submit because I know he's not making selfish decisions. If he's making selfish decisions, it is still my responsibility to do what the Bible says unless he's asking me to be in gross sin, right? And clarify that because if your husband's asking you to be in gross sin, then you can say no. But that doesn't mean, well, I don't, the Bible says no. It needs to be like specific in the Bible. Um, but what I'm telling you is this. So that is the husband's role, servant leader, wife's, wife's responsibility in that is submission in that. Men, again, don't demand it. Just go lay down your life for her and watch how quickly she'll go, well, you know what? I don't really agree with that, but he always makes decisions that are right for our family. So I know he's coming from a right place. It makes it easier. The woman's role and responsibility is to be the helper, to be the homemaker. That doesn't mean you stay home. I know in this many times we have a two family income, but that means you're oiko despodio, which means you are the house ruler. My husband can makes the decisions about, oh, I want to remodel, but he doesn't tell me what color to paint the wall. He said, that's your house. Do what you want with it. Doesn't mean we can't have mutual conversation about it. But our role as women is to be the helper. When Eve was formed, God said it is not good for man to be alone, which I always go back to that, that in the Bible, he said everything he made was good until he came to man. And then he said it is not good. For this man to be alone, I'm going to make a helper who is suitable for him. That word helper is the same word in that that language that I don't know if it's Greek or Hebrew. Dr. Derek can probably tell me that is the same word that the Holy Spirit is used. Okay, so really our job is to come alongside and not compete, but complete. And not worry about, but we're coming alongside to help. But the man's response to that is praise and honor. And I will tell you this, when my husband uses his words to praise and honor me, it makes me want to help him a lot more. How about you? Come on. It's the same way. When he's being the servant leader and I choose to submit because I know he's being a servant leader, and when I submit to him and he lays down his life, it's like a circle. It never ends. It's, it goes on. It's like it, you, you increase, increase. I like when it. I choose to be the helper that God called me to be and not the competitor but the completer to him, and his response is to praise it. And again, if he doesn't praise and honor me, 
That's still my responsibility. And it's still his job to praise and honor me if I'm not doing my role. But the bottom line is we have to know that that's the role, that's the responsibility. And it's our responsibility to do those things, whether we feel like it, whether the other person is doing their stuff or not. But when we all work together and do what we are supposed to do, how many times it works a lot better. So there's our roles and responsibilities. Last one, seven. This one's big, and we're going to make it brief because I want you guys to be able to eat cake. You must embrace your spouse as your divine assignment on the earth. It's your number one assignment. So this, 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 this is big. Okay, so maybe you say, I'm single. Okay, great. Start getting these principles dialed in that it's not your ministry, not your career, it's not your kids. Not, not the order. Keep the order right. Your divine assignment, you must embrace your spouse as your divine assignment on the earth. So you got to think like this. Your number one assignment on the face of the earth is going to be, like, we're okay, so I'll just use us. She's my, okay, you're going to preach the gospel around the world. Great. You're, she's got to be my number one divine assignment. Not, so you guys out there, it's not your job. It's not your job. Because I'm going to tell you right now, all that stuff's only as good as good as your marriage is. You guys know that. You guys that are grinding, you know what I'm saying. Because you're leaving the house and you're like, so once you embrace this thing as your divine assignment, you protect it better. You you pay it forward with withdrawals and deposits, more deposits than withdrawals. And you start understanding like, hey, I got this thing. That my spouse is my divine assignment. First priority. Now, do you got to go to work? Yes. Do you got to run a business? Yes. Do you got kids screaming all over the house? Yes. But it's an attitude of the heart more than it's anything else. Because guess what? Before you go to bed at night, you could be like, hey, God, thank you that, you know, you're meeting what Liz needs and you're softening my heart to hear what she needs to hear. I don't know what you got to do. Like PL, right? She started this communion thing with the fast. We don't leave the house, man. The other day, it was early. She was leaving. I'm up. Get up. You know, I told somebody the other day, they were married, and she leaves to go to work earlier than he leaves to go to work. It's just the way the job is. I said, can you wake up for five minutes and pray with your wife? I can do that. I said, it's going to be early, dude, whenever she's doing her thing. I can do that. Stay up late for you night people. Like, five minutes, man, before we go to bed, we're going to pray. Prioritize. Until you make your spouse your divine assignment, you're running around this earth, running after everything in the world that I don't even know if it really matters. It matters, but this is your number one responsibility. You know, I get to heaven, God's not going to be like, first, oh man, you didn't go preach the gospel all over the place. First, he's going to be like, hey bro, you didn't do what you needed to take care at home. Now I'm going to correct you later for what you didn't do in your assignment, but the first responsibility you had, boom, and them little jokers. Right after that. And then you guys, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, don't get the order messed up. Well, I, like, I you know, about this. Yeah, go. You know, it's funny. I've been, I've been hanging out at the preschool this week a lot. And I had something, I said this on the radio this morning, but I was, I was in the baby room on Wednesday. I was, I was doing a, a teacher's break. So I was in there with this little baby. She's like 10 months old. And have you ever seen those things? It's like a little, like it's, it looks almost like a stick thing. It's on a thing and it, and it has the circles of the different colors that you stack. And it has like a big circle, then the next size, then the next size, the next size. So the little baby and I were stacking the things and she wanted to put one on. Well, if you put the wrong one in place, you none of them will fit. 
Because the big one has to go first. Because if you put the small one first, you can't put the big one down. But if you, so, and I said, oh, let's take that one off. Let's put this one on. And we were stacking them up. And if you stack them the right way, they all work. But when you put the wrong one on first, nothing else will flow. And it's kind of like that. I said that, I th- it, was, it was just funny. I thought of that this morning. I was like, oh, that's exactly what we're doing. We're putting a little, from a little, and a little child shall lead them, right? Like the, God can speak to you anywhere. But if you don't have the order of things right, if your job is coming, if you, obviously God is first. God is the, that foundation and base. But if let's say, well, I got to go provide for my family. I am taking care of my wife because I'm providing for her. But if you're not meeting her, you can go, you can be, I tell Pastor Chris this all the time. When I can carry, I carry a lot of responsibility in my life. There's a lot of things I'm responsible for. And sometimes it's overwhelming. If our relationship is in the right place, you can throw a hundred more things on my back and I will run hard and I will run fast and I will not stop. When I don't feel secure in our relationship, pretty soon I can't handle anything. And you look, yes, you find your security in God. I know that. But there's an order to things, but usually that means I'm not prioritizing him either. I'm just expecting him to prioritize me. So we have to look and go, what are we stacking? And what's in pl- is everything in place? Is it God first True. and then our spouse and then our children? You get the children one ahead of the spouse, which happens a lot when your kids are little. How many moms that you got to, you got to focus on the kids, but you yeah. have to still make sure my spouse is my priority. He knows that he's my priority in the midst of all of that, you know, even when you're busy with kids. Yeah. And then you go, okay, then the kids, then the job, then my church, then the ministry, whatever it is. When you stack everything the right way, it just works. Amen. When you try to stack them in the wrong place, nothing works. And that's pretty much. Amen. Let's pray for these guys. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for each and every marriage here. We thank you, Father, for each and every person represented. We thank you for their kids. We thank you, God, for the people that are ready in preparation to get married. We thank you for the people that have been married for years. Father, I just thank you that your love. I just pray tonight that you, I, we know you spoke to the people's hearts. And you helped them. And you maybe showed them just a little glimpse. Maybe it's a little bit more. Time to spend together. Maybe it's, you know, it's funny. I feel this. Maybe it's time to, hey, man, every week we need to have a date. You know, we're not dating. Even if it's a walk on the beach or a coffee or something, it's time to go back to the basics of dating every week or dating every other week or spending time together or communicating. Father, we just want these guys to have the best marriage possible because we know that's, that's what your desire is. You look down at man. Adam didn't say anything. You saw it wasn't good for him to be alone. And out of him, you created woman. Not just a helpmate, a love. But God, it's your pleasure. It was your desire to see him and her to be together. Father, thank you for not only just giving us what we need, but letting us honor and cherish it. And let us never forget the things that we prayed for. Because when they show up, let us never, ever take for granted the things that you gave us. Let us love, cherish, and honor one another, pleasing you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarnum. If you are interested in learning more about Relevant Church, you can visit us at relevantfl.org. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel to hear more messages like this one every single week. Thanks for listening.